Okay, good evening everybody. Have we had a nice day? Enjoyed the sunshine? Excellent. Okay, I wonder why you've come tonight. I wonder that often. Why, why do we come? We've given up a good couple of hours of our life. We could be sat in the sun, but we've chosen to come here. And I wonder why. We are Q Church. What does our Q stand for? Quest. Okay, so I believe the reason that most of us are here tonight is because we are on a quest. A quest for truth, I think. I think a lot of us are looking for truth. And I think truth is a little bit like a light in the darkness. When you feel like everything is a bit messy, you're looking for something to aim for, something to guide you. Now, the clip we just watched was from a lady called Elizabeth Gilbert. It's the story of her life, and it was from a movie called Eat, Pray, Love. Has anyone seen it? It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, It basically tells the story of her going on a quest She left her home in America that was essentially quite comfortable and decided, I want to go on a quest for truth. I think she went all around the world, different countries, tried different foods, met different people, and she was looking to find something. Now, last week, we learned from the parable of the sea turtles. Anyone remember that? We showed the movie clip or the video clip of sea turtles lay their eggs on the beach. And the thing is, the eggs hatch, and then the little turtles head towards the ocean, in theory because they head towards the biggest light that they can see, something that's going to guide them. And the ocean for them represents something. I think it represents safety. It also represents purpose and future. It represents partnership. They're going to meet somebody there probably. It represents community and belonging. And I think it represents creativity. Whatever they're going to do in their life, whatever we might do in our lives, They're aiming for something, but they get distracted by what? Artificial light. That's what we spoke about last week. We get distracted by artificial light. And the turtles see all of the nightclubs and they're like, woohoo. They see all of the street lights and the cars and the hotels and the man-made things. And instead of following the brightest light that is this natural thing in the sky, the moon and the stars, they follow this artificial light. And essentially it leads to a drain or a dead end. And I think often it's easy to find ourselves in a drain or a dead end, rather than in a place full of purpose and life. So would we like to find that place tonight, a place of purpose and life, the big open ocean of freedom and life and love and peace and hope and whatever that means? Yes, I think so. Okay, so I went to Africa when I was about 20, and something totally blew me away one night. I looked up in the sky, and we were a couple of hours from the nearest city, and I saw the Milky Way in the sky, not a chocolate bar, like the actual Milky Way. And we never really see it here. If you look in the sky in York, you see, what, three or four stars, five, ten, fifty at the most, maybe. When you go somewhere where there's no artificial light, you look up, and the light is just so huge, you can't miss it. It totally blows you away. So what we want to do tonight, really, is have a think about what is the artificial light for us, and actually what is that true light for us. Because I believe that we're on a quest. So to make the most of the rest of the hour, I think it's important that we make a decision I want to go somewhere, I want to discover something tonight, and I want all of this to inspire me. Now, to finish off, I just want to read what we've just heard at the end of that movie, because um, I think sometimes you need to hear things twice, would you agree? Sometimes the first time you're like, oh, that was nice, but maybe it didn't really make its impact. So I thought we could have a little read together, so here goes. I've come to believe in something I call the physics of the quest. A force in nature governed by laws as real as the laws of gravity. The rule of quest physics goes something like this. 
If you're brave enough to leave behind everything familiar and comforting, which can be anything from your house to bitter old resentments, and set out on a truth-seeking journey, either externally or internally, and if you are truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on that journey as a clue, and if you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, and if you are prepared, most of all, to face and forgive some very difficult realities about yourself, then the truth will not be withheld from you. That is our journey tonight. Enjoy this next clip. Good evening, everyone. Um, that clip was from the same movie. And in the clip that you just saw, the feelings that she was having were not a problem. Arguably, to miss somebody that you have lost is an absolutely appropriate emotion. But where she'd got stuck was that emotion became the, the whole of the story, the absolute be-all and end-all. And it became this oversimplification of life that's like, this is my whole thing when actually there was more and what I loved about that guy was that he reminded her it's okay to feel how you feel but can you for a minute look up and make room for more than what you are currently experiencing and we get so preoccupied with the stuff that we pursue to bring light to our life and then we get preoccupied with working out sometimes why that light's gone out and how we can get it back on, that actually we don't leave room sometimes to see another way, which is what we were talking about last week and we want to pursue a bit more tonight. Because are we at the mercy all the time of our choices, other sort of choices and our circumstance? Or is there a light that could possibly transcend all that, transform all that, even in what would be considered to be the darkest and most tragic of times? Is there that kind of hope? Because her friend does not deny that there's darkness. It's not about a, a walk of denial. It's about saying within that darkness, can you look a bit closer? Can you gaze into it and find some light? And he asks her to believe in what is in her. Even within the darkness of what she feels, can she be more and allow more than she has allowed herself or been before? And that's the sort of light we want to share more about with you tonight as we carry on. Okay. Good evening. Sorry, it's me again. You stuck with me for another bit. Okay, this is our section called Q Without You. And we have some special guests tonight. Oh, it's better than that. We have some special guests tonight. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, we have a couple of people who've been maybe through some dark times, and we wanted to talk to them about what those dark times were, maybe how they found some light within them and some lessons that we could all learn from. So please give it up for Kate and Richard Asward. Let me just grab you some microphones. Blue and orange. Okay, good evening, good afternoon. How are we doing? Excellent. Okay. So this week we thought it would be great to ask these two what the journey you've been through um, that really has brought maybe some darkness in, but how have you worked through that darkness, maybe found some light and learned some truths that we could all learn from tonight. So maybe if you could tell us a bit of the story of what that kind of dark time was. Do you want me to? I'll go Stop. first. Right. Okay. So um, I, I guess the first thing to say would be that 
you know, we're not up here because things have happened to us and nothing's happened to anybody else. We understand that everybody goes through times, good times, difficult times. Uh, I think for me personally, that's not just um, part of life. It is life itself, the fact that, you know, things are up, things are down. It just is the way it is. Um, I'm sure many of you know um, that three years ago I had uh, a heart operation, uh, a serious heart operation. I'm not sure it was any other type, but uh, um, I was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect. And uh, what that meant was that, you know, I was born with a heart problem. I didn't know about it. I went many years without it, which I'm very pleased about because it would have stopped me doing a lot of things that I did. And then um, I was told I would need to have an operation to sort it out at some point. And then later I was told that I would need to have an operation very quickly. And then I was sort of told, if you don't get this done very, very quickly, then uh, it's all going to be, it's not going to last much longer. So, so that happened to me. That was a dark time uh, for me that I went through um, and a time when I learned an awful lot. Hey, how was that for you with that whole experience? Um, well, I probably took it the worst because it was happening to Richard and I were watching on. So he sort of got on with it and I fell apart. Really sorry. Um, it might surprise some people here to know that I'm actually um, quite an emotional person. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, it really knocked me for six. At the time, I'd got pneumonia and Richard had stayed at home to look after me. And I looked at him across, laid on the other sofa thinking, he looks worse than I do. <laughs> And that's when everything unfolded, really, when he went into hospital and that when, when they rushed things through, really. So, yeah, I didn't cope with it very well at all. Yeah. yeah. What was your initial reaction when you um, kind of knew what the situation was? <laughs> so I guess there's, there's, two, there's two points, really, with that. The first was when I first found out that there was something wrong with me, because I didn't know... Well, I, I sort of knew there was something wrong with me. I'd known that for about six months, but I had no idea what it was. So, um, during a lunch break at work, I went to uh, the hospital to have a test and they'd completely messed the tests up and ended up having three tests. So I got the whole sort of diagnosis all in one go. I wasn't expecting this at all. And I saw the, um, the sort of consultant who did the test and was, 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 he sort of sat me down and said, right, this is where you're at, this is what's wrong with you. You've got a congenital heart defect. And I said to him, is there anything I could have done that would have made that different? And he said, no, absolutely nothing at all. So the first thing, my first reaction was to go out and have a McDonald's. That's the first thing that I did. I, I thought there's no point sort of trying to live a healthy life. You know, that's, that's what's going to happen. So that was the first thing I did. But um, the, uh, the, the, the sort of next, um, I guess the thing I did was what I always do if I feel under pressure, is that I started to analyse it. So I Googled it, I got as much information as I possibly can. I was on there just getting information, 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 trying to find out about it, trying to find out what happened to people, what the prognosis was, how long you got, all that sort of stuff. So my first reaction was just to, to analyse it, just to get as much information as I possibly could. Yeah, it's interesting because we talked last week about the artificial light and I think those things like a McDonald's and analysis or for some of us it's cleaning our house or getting over busy, are those things that we use almost to distract us from sometimes really dealing with the inner truths of what's going on. How did you guys go the journey to actually find some progress within yourselves and what were kind of the, the lessons that you learned or the light that you kind of arrived at through the end? Of uh, we were very, very blessed because we got you guys. Um, we've got Anthony and Chris 
and Chris were on phone or texting me and those moments might not have meant much to her but they meant the world to me I mean they really really did and I literally felt like she was literally picking my arm up and pulling me up every time we had contact and uh, but there were so many from here that were so so kind and so caring um, and it gave me a hope you know it just made me realise we're coming through this. It, it's not going to last forever. We are going to come through this, and um, and it just it pointed me towards light, um, and it pointed me towards um, a future. And and I, you know, when it first happened, it was the wrong wrong timing for us. Um, you know, it, when he first went to see the consultant, they'd said you know, when it eventually happens, you'll have to have this surgery. And we're thinking, well, that's going to be 18 months. We don't have to worry about it now. And within a short space of time, it was bang, there, it's happening now. It's not in your time. So my hands were like, I don't want this now. But actually, it was the right time and it was God's timing because things just snowballed. But actually, life came through all of this and it was just amazing. But especially people from here were just, mm. just absolutely the, the complete best. They were amazing. Give yourselves yeah. a round of applause. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Rich? What, what were the things that really kind of you learned through the whole experience? Well, I think the first thing I learned is that you can't always solve things just by getting more information about them. So I, I was looking to get as much information as I can to sort of try and find, I guess, some way out. And, and there was no information other than the NHS which was fantastic and a brilliant surgeon and everything which which was great you know but but there was no obvious there was no obvious uh, sort of easy way out just by getting information um, I learned again which I've learned a hundred times in my life that you can't control everything you want to control everything you can't control everything don't kid yourself on about that um, I also learned about community because as Kate said rightly said the people here but I mean our family our close family our extended family the church particularly were incredibly helpful at that time and uh, that's something you know obviously we'll never forget the other thing is I, I learned to come to peace I think maybe for the first probably the first time in my life I learned about um, just being able to sort of settle down and accept where I was at and just be peaceful about it and that's not something I think I'd ever done before and that was that was quite a lesson I was you know it was it, I know it might sound ridiculous but even in the sort of darkest bits of it I actually felt I was all right which is a that is quite a lesson yeah that's brilliant well I'm I for one I'm glad you're here I don't know about you guys um, but thanks for sharing your journey with us and uh, yeah let's move on with the rest of the night couldn't remember if I switched my microphone on and off. This is going to be fun because I've written so many extra handwritten notes on top of my notes that I don't know which is which. But I think that's partly because as I was thinking this through yesterday and today, to sum up how we begin to identify what is real light and what is artificial light, when the truth is most of the time within our experience, we just think, well, I can see something, is quite tricky to do. But I'm going to have a little go at giving you perhaps some tools that might help you begin to identify and take us on this journey to this light within. So yesterday I read an article online and it was an actor flying back from the royal wedding and someone had been critical of him and his girlfriend 
And so he, you know, in retaliation, said something unkind back and posted something unkind back. So, of course, you get the usual flurry of people going, you can't do that, you can't shame, you can't do whatever. So he then deleted it and then decided to reflect on what he'd learned and he was sharing with his Instagram followers what he'd learned from this experience. And he said one line, and when I read this yesterday, I thought... I like that. That's telling me something. He said this, believe pretty much nothing you read in magazines, good or bad. The machinery runs on misfortune and oversimplification. Now, when I read that, I was thinking, right, I know this links to this idea of artificial light, so I thought I'll follow this thought. Because actually, what happens is someone puts something in print, and everyone who reads it suddenly then decides, oh, there's an, they're an expert. I can now see that because somebody has given me this very simplified version of what's happened. But the word machinery really struck me in, in link to artificial light. Because if you think of machinery as being something man-made, in itself, it's not a force of nature like we heard about that sort of physics of the quest. It's something that has been built to function and to get the job done, but it's not got any sense of a human touch in itself or any sense of the divine. It's just going to get the job done mechanically. And I was thinking, I can think of things that I've mechanically put in place in times of darkness that has just got me through, enabled me to cope, enabled me to get a handle on it. But really deep down, I've felt disconnected from that solution. And I've certainly felt disconnected from the divine within that. It's almost been like this is me getting through this is me coping now I was thinking about it and thinking if machinery really just creates stuff in my life would I want my eulogy to read um, I had a lot of stuff I did a lot of stuff I made a lot of stuff and I'm thinking that's not really what I want the story of my life to be and then I continue to think well I don't really want a Facebook post or a Twitter comment to be a manufactured account of what my life is somehow photoshopped with facts and faces that create look at my life, look at how glowy it is, when really sometimes I feel sad and sometimes I feel really lonely and sometimes I'm finding things difficult and neither do I want a religious expression to be one where I say, yes, I love Jesus, oh, look at me, I'm so holy, when sometimes I get so angry and so mad, it makes me churn and neither do I want to tell you that I have all the answers when sometimes I still have many questions and I'm really up for having real light which would genuinely help me to overcome the complexities of what can be darkness and I think you are too because I think that's why we're here. So oversimplification means to simplify so much that a distorted impression is given. And we were hearing over the last couple of weeks about how um, the solutions that we come to now that were man-made have often come from those mind-made experiences we had that gave us, this is what love is, this is what life is, this is how it needs to work. And we almost have worked out, right, my mind tells me this, I'll put that in a box and every decision I make will be from that box. And then we end up with this distorted life and we try to navigate then in all these man-made ways how we're going to fix it. And yet transformation comes when we renew our mind, when we have a new thought, when we believe something different. And tonight there's an opportunity to be transformed. Because when we take on board those man-made solutions, we just get to obsessing of how we're going to fix what we see in here and how to avoid the negative feelings that we don't want to experience. Now these might be some of the things that we do and I'm not being critical because I've done them all 
small. So um, we'll Google for more information. I'm totally with you on that one, Richard. I like to analyse. Come on, find the control, Jenny. Um, we might think, well, my job must be the problem. I'm just going to, to, to leave that because if I change something externally, my job, my partner, my friends, my church, my life, if I change something on the outside, that will make me feel better on the inside. Has anyone tried that and found it to work? Um, I'll, we can hide in our work. We can hide in our addictions. We can hide behind our smiles. We're very good at that. Um, we can pray for longer because if I do right and be right and I'm right, I'm going to get a better answer. And we can hold on to stuff like hurt and anger to make us feel safe. But all these man-made solutions are things that help us to feel safe. But actually, it can lead us to a real distortion because the truth is life is not simple. And there's complexity and there's mystery for us all to navigate. And where we want to lead you to tonight for these final few minutes is that the truth in it all, and I think the opposite is the lie we've been told for, for a very long time, is that we as human beings are absolutely incredible. We are full of light. We are made of love. We are made of life and we are made of light. And the light that we are looking for in all of these dark times is actually the very light we find sometimes within the darkness that is us. It's within us. It's that place we have to go to and be with and settle with and face within ourselves to find a light within. And actually, religion will reinforce all the way that actually you're not incredible. It will tell you, be good enough or else you'll be in trouble. Be good enough or else you'll never get your miracle. And that's a big fat lie. Now, within us is love, light, and life itself. God is within us. Call it what you like. Love, light, life itself. They are God qualities and God characteristics. And our real light is found not out there, but within the darkness um, that sometimes we feel on the inside. And if we will just hold fast and sit with ourselves, like the woman in the clip, we might just find that we adjust to the illumination that is us, that is the miracle of who we are as created beings. And we might just find, like the jellyfish, we glow with a real solid, brilliant, amazing glow. Um, so let's see what's, um, see some more truth next. Okay, there we are. I keep getting this wrong. Okay, we're going to end tonight with a great anthem song that's going to really call to action all that we've heard. Because I wish I, sometimes I wish I knew how to say change dark circumstances and dark feelings. And then I find myself glad that I don't because it's in those times that I've genuinely seen the best in, in me, in, in, in God, in others. And there really is a light. Your hair really does glow in the dark. Whatever your equivalent is, there is something in you so incredible that if we will stop being frantic and looking for our own solutions, we will see an incredible strength within us. So why is it that we find this so hard to do? I'm going to show you one last clip that you will all identify with in your world, if you're really honest. Okay, last one. Now, um, despite knowing what's in it, despite knowing it don't, it isn't really made of the stuff that we want to pursue. Some of that stuff that we use as our solution just tastes really nice. And that's when it comes down to the point where we have to be willing to have that, I guess, to have that mature love we were talking about and said, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at what I'm doing. I'm going to see it in the light of day. I'm going to ask myself whether that's really the stuff that I want to be taking into my life or whether on purpose consciously I'm going to be prepared to switch the light off in order to see something far greater but temporarily it's going to go dark 
but once it has gone dark, you might actually find a true light um, that is well worth having. So those giant problems that you're avoiding facing, let's face them, knowing that you can take them on because you are made of strong enough stuff. Um, and a few weeks ago, we learned about the musk deer. And the musk deer, it's, it's a week you can listen to if you weren't here, but it follows the scent. It frantically follows this thing that, that in this instance smells so amazing without realizing it's themselves. They're literally chasing something that exists within them and we don't want to be doing that. So we're going to sing and the reason why we're going to sing is based on that last clip from Tangled. It's really difficult to sing and to worry at the same time. Um, it really is. There's something about your brain that can't do both. And actually what, um, is it Rapunzel in Tangled? Yeah. Have I got that right? I love having, yes, I know. Um, Rapunzel entangled, she has to sing in her dark. And in the darkness, as she sings, something happens. And I genuinely believe tonight that that bit of our brains that obsesses and worries and is fine to, trying to find our own solutions, if we're prepared to sing this song now and believe that within us is an incredible light, if we will only allow ourselves to adjust to it, your light will shine on. Not because something suddenly exists externally waves a magic wand and fixes it but you're going to find within you everything you need to do the next bit of your journey and we're going to hold you up like with Kate and Richard all the way however we can so we're going to sing this as an anthem because our lights are bright um, and um, our prayer tonight is that you will all adjust to the darkness um, as quickly as you can in order to see your way through whatever circumstance you may find yourself in. And we are with you absolutely all the way. Thank you, Joel. Amazing. Thank you.